A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. My guest today is Uju Asika, a mum of two, blogger and author of Bringing Up Race, How to Raise a Kind Child in a Prejudiced World. In her book, Uju aims to help parents navigate those all-important conversations with our children about race. On the episode, we discuss when and how to start that conversation, how to handle those situations when your small child points out differences in someone on the bus, the colour of their skin perhaps, or the hijab they're wearing, and why it's important not to take the colourblind approach with your kids and not mention skin colour to them at all. Uju tells me about her fears raising black sons in a world that sees colour first. And we talk about language and people's desire to find a term that neatly categorises everyone that isn't white. If this episode gets you thinking, you'll probably get a lot out of buying Uju's book. It's got lots of thoughtful advice and experiences in it. Uju, it is wonderful to have you join me today. What has today been like for you so far? Today has been, I would say, quite a typical day in that I've been trying to do some work and I've had two calls from the school about my youngest not feeling well. And finally, he's come home. So I have two sick kids at home. Oh, no. And yeah, (laughs) this is... (laughs) I will just call it a typical day because, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, what mums do, isn't it? Oh, it really is. It, that is that dreaded call though, isn't it? It's when you're, it's always when you're at your busiest and you've got so much happening and then your phone rings and you think, oh, it's the school. And that doesn't mean to say that we don't love our kids and we don't want to look after them, but <laughs> it's just, it's tricky to balance it all, isn't it? It is, it is. I mean, I have, because they've both been kind of sick, you know, sniffly, cold stomachache since the weekend and they were both off yesterday and you know the the younger one I thought oh, I'll just send him in today because he looked quite perky <laughs> so was, I was hopeful but right yeah. well let's let's make this short and snappy and get everything we want to talk talk about done and then you can go and tend to them and make sure they're okay um so your book bringing up race um you say it isn't a how-to manual but instead it's the start of a conversation for the reader was that an important distinction for you to make Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I think even when I started writing the book, before I started writing the book, it was like, okay, how am I going to write a book on race? And then, you know, as I started writing it, I thought, you know what, I'm not coming at it as 
a so-called parenting expert, which I don't really believe there is such a thing as a parenting expert. And I'm not like coming at it as a race academic. You know, I'm not someone who's been sort of doing diversity training or anything. I'm a mum and I happen to be a black mum and I have had loads of experiences and I wanted to tell stories and I wanted to tell stories for mums of different ethnicities as well and mums raising kids of different ethnicities because I really do think that stories are one of the most important ways to to engage and to empathise and to start these conversations. That's so true, actually, isn't it? Because I think that's what the book does so beautifully is that you do kind of dip in and out of conversations with a whole, you know, variety of mostly women, I think, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And just hearing their stories and their experiences, I think, something, you know, sometimes it's good to pick up a book that has been written by an academic and it's all like the research and the stats and everything. But sometimes, like you say, it's the stories, it's the experiences that really kind of hit home, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I did base the book on a lot of research. So, you know, I've got a journalistic background and I did, you know, I read up a lot and I found out a lot of stuff that completely threw me as well. Um, and one of the, the best responses I've had actually was from uh, an academic, you know, she contacted me and she was like, oh, you know, what she loved so much about the book was that it was a mix of storytelling and research that she herself could go and look up and you know sort of get a bit nerdy about so so yeah I like that yeah no it's great it's great so when is a good time to start talking to our kids about race um you know studies show that even even age two children are choosing to play with other kids who look like them Mm. don't they Mm. yeah I always say you know start start now start yesterday (laughs) start as early as possible it's never too early you know parents kind of think they should wait for certain conversations. I think before you become a parent, you're always like, oh yeah, you know, I will do this at this time. And then I will do that at that time. And you have all these ideas. But actually, when you're talking about race or any other difficult topic, it's best to just start as early as possible using really simple language and just keep the conversation going because the earlier you start, the more you can normalize it. Well, And when we do talk to our kids about race, How should that conversation differ based on the colour of our children's skin? Mm. Um, I think the conversation is naturally going to be different for a black parent or a white parent. For for instance, I mean, most parents of colour have had to have a conversation with their children about race, either like before school or when they're in school, which unfortunately is where most kids have their first encounter with racism. So naturally, you're going to be more sort of preparing them for possibly what the world might think about your your skin or how to cope with racism if it happens to you. Um, for parents of white kids, it's really important. I mean, we use this word ally a lot now. And I think, you know, just think about being a good friend. You know, what does a friend do if they encounter someone being bullied because of their race or if they themselves are curious about somebody's racial features, like how would you approach that as a friend? You know, you would be be open, but be empathetic, um, be supportive, but at the same time, you know, don't treat them like an oddity. 
you know, like just treat them as somebody, somebody else, treat them the way you would want to be treated. Yeah, I think, you know, there are probably people listening who have been in the situation where you're in the supermarket with your child and they ask, you know, why is, mommy, why is that lady's skin that color? Or, you know, they see someone wearing a turban and say, why is he wearing that hat? You know, questions like that are totally rooted in innocence, aren't they? But they can leave a parent quite unsure how to respond. Yeah, completely. I think all kids are going to say things that just make you go, what? (laughs) And often your reaction is just going to be one of shock and you want to shut it down. And, you know, I would say to parents, A, don't be too hard on yourself as a parent if you've been in that situation. I shared an experience in the book myself with with my kids where, you know, my son said something and I was like completely shocked and, you know, shut it down instantly. But the point is it's a reminder that you should be having these conversations and your child is just curious or has learned something that they need to unlearn. So it's a good opportunity to just start having these conversations. And, you know, if some, if your child asks you like, oh, why is, you know, why is that person's hair look like that? Or why does that person have, you know, different colored skin? You know, be as simple and direct and factual as possible. Um, and then have a deeper conversation, I would say, when you get home, like talk about it more and take it as an opportunity to start discussing more about skin color, why people have different skin color, you know, just keep it factual. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I've spoken before about how I used to take the I don't see color approach when talking to my daughter, who's now 10. You know, her school mm. is probably about 50% white kids, 50% kids whose heritage is African, Caribbean, South Asian. But I've learned that it's not a helpful attitude to have, is it? Yeah, no, not at all. I think um, a lot of parents, especially of like our generation, grew up with that colorblind approach, the sort of, oh, I don't see race and, you know, everyone's the same. And, you know, everyone's not the same, unfortunately, even in 2021. (laughs) we're still not at all the same. And, you know, I think it was a bit of a shock for a lot of people with with all the stuff that happened last summer and, you know, up until now, uh, some of my white friends even have been like, oh, I've never thought about things this way because I assumed we'd moved past it. There's this idea that we've moved past race and we haven't. And so it's really important to teach your kids that, yeah, we are all different colours and, you know, most of us, we're very happy being different colors. We want to be seen for who we are. The, I want you to see me as, you know, a black woman and a Nigerian woman and an African woman, as well as a British woman. You know, I want to be seen as sort of all the colors of who I am. And so do my kids and so do your kids. So let's embrace that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in the book, you talk about how it's important that we ensure our kids have access to books, TV shows, films, you know, all, all kind of media that feature characters with different backgrounds and skin color. But also what I find really interesting reading your book is, you know, you're talking about how it's important to be, important to be pointing out the differences rather than reading them in that colorblind mode. Um, you know, you say in the book that it's, that's how we raise children who are kinder, more open and more sensitive to other cultures. Mm, mm. Yeah, definitely. Cause, um, like you said, again, it's that colorblind thing. So a lot of parents think they're doing the right thing by 
buying a book and it has lots of children of different colors and then you sit down together and you read it and you don't mention (laughs) the fact that this book has lots of children of different colors and actually you're still sort of feeding that silence you know and instead of feeding the silence what you want to do is feed more conversations so you know don't be shy about talking about oh you know look at this person's uh, skin, you know, how, what color is their skin? What would that person call themselves? You know, what color is your skin? You know, look at their hair, look at my hair, you know, depending on how old your child is, you can have deeper conversations as your child grows up. You know, once your child is in secondary, then you're going to have sort of more evolved conversations. But when they're really young, you can talk about just the basics of what they see, you know, things like language and food, all the different things that make us who we are, which are really fascinating, actually, and positive. So it's all about having a sort of positive and affirming and inclusive approach. Yeah, definitely. Um, And talking to our kids about racism, to me, feels like a bit of a different conversation to talking about race. Mm. Do you see it as being one and the same in terms of the conversation, or does it need to be treated differently? Um, I think it's all part of the, the same conversation. Obviously, you would need to be more sensitive around when you're talking about racism. But again, I really encourage parents to talk about racism. Um, I've had this response from, from black parents and from white parents who have avoided talking about racism because they thought it would be difficult or they thought it would scare their kids or they thought it would be upsetting. And then, you know, from the black parent uh, angle, what happened was that their child then experienced racism, but didn't really have the language or the context to be able to describe it. So it took a little while for them to understand that their child was having, you know, a racist experience at school. I think one of their teachers had said something racist to them. Um, and then again, with the white children, if you're not talking about racism, then when they do encounter it, which they will, um, in a school setting, unfortunately, that's what happens. Most kids, you know, that's their first encounter with racism. Um, then your white, white child or your child who's never experienced racism or spoken about racism is just at a loss. Like they don't really understand what it is or how to, you know, how to call it out or how to interrupt it or how to support somebody who's going through that. So it's really important to talk about, talk about racism as part of your race conversation. It's such a typical, not typical, but it's such a kind of common thing as a parent to almost want to, you know, protect your children, put them in a bit of a bubble, you know, not, not have them even become aware of some of the you know, the darker elements of, of society. Um, you know, even this morning, my 10 year old came in and I think I had that good morning Britain on the TV and there was a topic talking about, um, I think it was talking about, you know, the, the effects that social media have on, on young kids and their mental health. And I panicked. I thought, Oh no, like she's going to, like, she's going to start. I don't know. I just felt like I, I don't want her to watch this because what if this negatively impacts on her? And I just thought this is, this is just stupid. I, you know, I cannot protect her from, you know, the bad things that are going on in the world. You've got to be having these conversations and be open about them. Yeah, completely. And I completely feel you. I mean, I still have these, for me, like, I think the big worry now my my boys are in secondary is the sort of knife crime and 
you know, I've got two black boys and they're walking around London by themselves sometimes in the evening. And I feel really, you know, like there's that knot in your stomach. And even when you talk about it, you know, I feel anxious. Um, but like you said, you know, part of the protection is, is the conversation because then they know they can come to you no matter what. And that's the most important thing. I think, you know, when I'm talking to parents about the conversations you have with your kids around race, I'm like, don't worry if you feel anxious about it. Don't worry if it's awkward or you feel uncomfortable because A, you don't have to solve it all in one conversation. B, racism is not your problem to solve. It's just your your thing that you have to discuss with your child so that they feel that they have a relationship with you in which they can talk about anything with you. Mm. You know, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And you just reminded me actually of one of the lines in your book that really stood out to me, which was, I worry about raising boys in a world that sees colour first. That really jumped out to me as, as being really poignant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, it's, um, it's a painful thing. You know, because like I said, you know, also in the book, it's, I've got these two boys and they're really adorable. You know, I'm not just saying that because I'm <laughs> their mum, like they are, you know, I've had, I've walked around town with them since they were little and, you know, people would come up and, oh, your boy is so cute, so cute. And then, you know, I have conversations with them now that they're 12 and 15 and, you know, they're being treated differently already. They're being looked at differently and it's, what can I say to you? They're still the same boys. They're just a bit older. Unfortunately, they live in a world where being a black boy, being a black person can, can be seen as a threat, you know, and can put you in danger. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And is that, is that a conversation that you have with them? Have you had conversations about how to, I guess, you know, behave in a certain way as, as, as much as they shouldn't have to? But do you kind of arm them with any, you know, anything to kind of help them in that situation? I do, I do. And unfortunately, much younger than, you know, since the time they were about, well, since, yeah, from about age of five, I think, you know, having conversations with them about the fact that sometimes when they're being loud and unruly in public, there's an extra layer for them because they're black. So it's not just, and I'm a black mum, so it's not just 
us being seen as like, you know, you know how it feels as a parent when you're out, let's say you're at the supermarket and your child is throwing a tantrum and you're like, and everyone's staring at you and you think, oh God, you know, and then when you're like a black mum <laughs> and your children are black and everyone's staring at you, there's extra layers um, going on. So I've had to have those conversations with them from that age. And then, you know, now obviously about how, for instance, if they have an encounter with police. Um, I feel fortunate that we live in the UK as opposed to in America. A lot of conversations I've had with um, friends, family members, and people I interviewed for bringing up race were around the talks that they have to have with their kids, you know, when they encounter police, which has become really dangerous for Black children, especially Black people. And it's just, it's always, um, it's quite a painful thing just listening to, yeah, the fear that something will just go really badly wrong one day and you can't do much to control it, but you can try and prepare your kids the best you can. Yeah. And as a black woman, I guess in, you know, in the media, you've been blogging for years, you know, you've written this book, you're also doing a lot of interviews, you're in the public eye. Are you aware of that, you know, you talked about that extra layer, if, you know, if you're in the supermarket and you know, you're being judged as a black mother, are you aware of any kind of extra layer in terms of um, the way that you behave? Perhaps, you know, if you are being loud or angry, you know, and those kind of stereotypes that get thrown at black women so often. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think black women are obviously one of the, <laughs> the, the people or the, the groups who face the most stereotypes. And I think for me, because, you know, A, I'm just not particularly an angry person as an individual. I'm quite a sort of playful, lighthearted person. Um, but then there's always the, the elements of, are you being taken seriously? Um, or if I do say something that is a little bit edgy, will I then be thrown into the ang- angry black woman trope or, you know, so, so you are, you're constantly, um, policing yourself. I think, I think we as women are constantly policing ourselves in a sort of male dominated society. And then as a black woman, you know, you have that extra, extra layer of, how am I being perceived? How am I being judged? And, you know, I try not to worry about that too much, to be honest, in my um, sort of daily life and the content I yeah, put out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, now, going back to, um, you know, how we chat to our children and, um, you know, the, uh, the conversation there, um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, what conversations we um, should be having with our children's schools. Um, I had a guest on a few weeks ago, Robert Douglas, and he spoke about um, the responsibilities that schools have when they're teaching children about racism. You know, how a lesson about Rosa Parks might leave black children feeling really not okay and how schools have a duty of care to flag to parents that these lessons are coming up so what what's your take on it what kind of conversations should we all be having with our kids schools about how they talk about race to our to our kids yeah this is a it's a big one (laughs) there are many many conversations to be had with schools and in fact I hear so much you know I've had so many incidences of racism within schools and that's going from like bullying of the kids to you know parent I mean teacher parent interactions to teacher student interactions to just really faulty racial policies I think 
um, for parents, you know, one thing is to try and sort of get support with other parents in school so that you don't feel like a lone wolf crying out in the wilderness around um, race relations. So if you can, you know, if you can sort of get a group of like-minded parents together and, you know, approach the school, ask them specifically what their diversity and equality policies are. They should have something in place. Um, and also there's some really good resources like I recommend, um, I don't know if you follow Everyday Racism. I do. They're brilliant, aren't they? Yeah. So they've, they've put together some really good, um, like letters that you can, you know, like form letters you can write to your school just to make sure that they are sort of apprised of the fact that there needs to be better race training within the school and to find out what their policies are. Um, as a, as a parent, you know, you can sort of talk to your class teacher about whether they have, you know, have they done a kind of diversity audit of the books that they read with their children? Um, have you, there's so many different things that you don't think about that, you know, when you're outside the school setting, but within school, it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, especially for black children, you know, your child might be just sort of in an island by themselves, you know, with like certain books being chosen for the curriculum or, you know, every, things like craft paper and, you know, coloring pencils and things that don't actually reflect the diversity, not only within the classroom, but in the, in the wider world. So even things like events, like school events that we've been talking at our school um, about how, yeah. you know, the school events don't reflect the diverse culture of the school and, you know, whether it's things like the kind of food that are being served at the, at the school fete or just even little things like that, I think can have a real impact. They can have a huge impact. And I think it's, it's also not just doing the events as like a token gesture, but using it as, as an opportunity to be more inclusive and to have more conversations. You know, there's so much race literacy that is just missing from from schools across the board from what I can see even now and you know I think that parents can do a lot but unfortunately I would love to say that the government should be doing more they should be um I don't hold that much hope with this government but they, they should be doing a lot more because it can't just be down to the parents putting pressure on schools. I feel like this government has so much that they need to crack on with that it kind of leaves me feeling like we haven't got much hope in any of it being done, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is kind of kind of depressing. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, let's talk about language. It's really important to get it right. And many white parents might feel unsure of the correct language to use. And you talk in your book about how the word coloured used to be acceptable and was replaced by black. And more recently... Um, we've had the acronym BAME, standing for Black, Asian, Minority, Ethnic. Um, but there's been discussions over that being problematic as well. And in the States, people of colour is used a lot. Is the problem that we're trying to neatly categorise everyone who isn't white as if white is the norm? And actually, we shouldn't be trying to do that in the first place. Yes, that is that is exactly the problem. <laughs> in a nutshell, that's what the that's what the problem is. It was really interesting for me when I was writing Bringing Up Race because, you know, obviously when you're speaking explicitly about race and then you're having to find different terms to describe, especially when you need to group everyone. So I wound up using, you know, I use 
people of color. And I'm comfortable with that expression as well, you know, for, for where we are now. So I use, you know, black, I use Asian, I use, you know, all these different, um, but it was very interesting because even as a black woman writing about white people and talking about white people so often, you know, in the beginning, it was jarring for me because I'm so used to just talking about us as black people and then white people as people. <laughs> you know? mm. um, oh, and I, that's, that's so bad that that's so ingrained in you, isn't it? It's ingrained, you know, it's conditioning. And so, um, and also, so there's a whole thing about do you capitalize the black or do you, you know, use lowercase? And so there are some people who like politically, they're like, oh, they put black and uppercase and then they put white and lowercase and all these various things. And I was like, no, I'm talking about racial groups. I'm going to put black and uppercase. I'm going to put white in uppercase. And it was just very interesting again, just seeing that white people <laughs> in uppercase. But I wanted to do that because I wanted you know, readers, I know there'll be many readers who are reading who are white. I want them to start thinking of themselves in these racial categories, which have been created because of the creation of this idea of white people. So it's really important that, you know, white people stop thinking of themselves as raceless, um, as if race is not a topic or a subject or a conversation they should be part of. You know, we're all categorized now. So you've got to start thinking about it, talking about it, engaging. And I think that's the only way we'll eventually move forwards to something that is sort of feels more kind of equal for all of us. Yeah. And let's face it, the system was created by white people. So, exactly. you know, white people definitely need to get on board with this. Exactly. I mean, this is the thing. It's, you know, it's like racism, black people out there. But how can we possibly be the ones to, to fight racism if we didn't create, <laughs> you know, we're not the ones, you know, how do you fight white supremacy if you're not the ones who created it? Like, obviously, um, the same thing when you talk about, uh, you know, the patriarchy, like how can women be the only ones trying to fight against the patriarchy when, you know, we're not the ones in the in power. So yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, Uju, I think your book is essential reading for any parent, and you know, I just really urge people to to get hold of a copy and pass it around their friends. Actually, don't pass it around your friends. Get them all to buy their own copy so they <laughs> so they boost your your, your sales. Um, but bringing up race, how to raise a kind child in a prejudiced world is available to buy now. Um, where can we find you online so we can hear more from you, Uju? Okay. Uh, you can find me at Babes About Town um, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, babesabouttown.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. It has been so great to chat to you today. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.